Welcome to the New Chemists Podcast. We are so glad you are listening. Feel free to subscribe on Spotify and tell your friends and colleagues about the podcast. Our Deepest Fear by Marion Williamson Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There's nothing enlightening about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we're liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Our deepest fear by Marion Williams. You are very important especially to us here at the New Chemist Podcasting Group. You listening in is significant. Vous êtes très important, surtout pour nous ici au New Chemist Podcasting Group. Votre écoute est significative. Usted es muy importante, especialmente para nosotros aquí en The Nuche Mist Podcasting Group. Usted escuchando, es significativo. Você es muy importante, especialmente para nós do The New Chemist Podcasting Group. Você ouvindo, es significativo. Είστε πολύ σημαντικοί, ειδικά για εμάς εδώ στο The New Chemist Podcasting Group. Το να ακούς είναι σημαντικό. Sie sind sehr wichtig, besonders für uns hier bei The New Chemist Podcasting Group. Es ist wichtig, dass du zuhörst. 
je bent erg belangrijk, vooral voor ons hier bij Vinu Chemist Podcasting Group. Dat je meeluistert, is veel betekenend. You are very important, especially to us here at the New Chemist Podcasting Group. You listening in is significant. Welcome to the New Chemist Podcast. Bienvenidos al podcast del nuevo químico. Carlos Irza testo podcast to New Chemist. Welkom bij de podcast van Vinu Chemist. Bienvenue sur le podcast du Nouveau Chimiste. Bem-vindo ao podcast do Novo Químico. Welcome to the New Chemist Podcast. Work hard. Be value-driven. You can do it. You can grow and learn it. You can be the difference you and your community needs. Don't give up. We are here rooting and cheering for you. Don't give up. Travaillez dur. Soyez axés sur la valeur. Tu peux le faire. Vous pouvez grandir et l'apprendre. Vous pouvez être la différence dont vous et votre communauté avez besoin. N'abandonnez pas. Nous sommes ici pour vous encourager et vous encourager. N'abandonnez pas. Trabalhar duro. Seja orientado por valores. Você consegue. Você pode crescer e aprender. Você pode ser a diferença que você e sua comunidade precisam. Não desista. Estamos aqui torcendo e torcendo por você. Não desista. Duepse esclirá. Na ovigita estinaxia. Boris na tocanis. Μπορείτε να μεγαλώσετε και να το μάθετε. Μπορείτε να είστε η διαφορά που χρειάζεστε εσείς και η κοινότητά σας. Μην τα παρατάς. Είμαστε εδώ για να σας ζητοκραυγάσουμε. Μην τα παρατάς. Τραβάχα δούρο. Σέα impulsado por el valor. Puedes hacerlo. Puedes crecer y aprenderlo. Usted puede ser la diferencia que usted y su comunidad necesitan. No te rindas, estamos aquí animándote y animándote. No te rindas.
werk hard. Wees waardig gedreven. Je kunt het. Je kunt groeien en leren. U kunt het verschil zijn dat u en uw gemeenschap nodig hebben. Geef niet op. We zijn hier om voor je te roten en te juichen. Geef niet op. Work hard. Be value driven. You can do it. You can grow and learn it. You can be the difference you and your community needs. Don't give up. We are here rooting and cheering for you. Don't give up. Thanks for listening. We're glad you were able to tune into this podcast. Once again, this is the new chemist where we discuss chemistry, which simply put is the science of change, as well as the other sciences, careers, community, research, and COVID-19. Thanks again for listening. Note, the views on this podcast represent those of my guests and I. Good afternoon. It is so good. It is so thrilling. It is so exciting. Today we're going to switch things up a bit. We're going to be having a vis-a-vis, tete-a-tete conversation on pharmaceutical chemistry. Um, so uh, I won't be referencing the notes of some of my professors. However, I won't be showing the notes. I'll be referencing the notes. Um, it'll just be an audio discussion with with uh, the notes uh, being referenced. So the first topic for today will be serotonergic and antidepressant agents. Referencing notes of specifically Dr. A. Kulkarni. Um, so let's just go through them. Some introductory ideas: the biosynthesis and metabolism of serotonin, receptor types and subtypes, as well as we're going to be looking at uh, targeting and serotonergic signaling. And then we'll conclude um, for that topic. Uh, but this is going to be a long episode, very, very long episode, because we're going to go through serotonergic and antidepressants, opioid agents, cholinergic agents, as well as some fundamental ideas associated with pharmaceutical chemistry. So let's begin. Let's begin. Okay, so serotonin. Serotonin, otherwise known as 5-hydroxytryptamine, or uh, 5-HT, was identified as a neuroreceptor ligand in, late, in the late 1940s. Serotonin is associated with depression slash anxiety, schizophrenia, hallucinations, drug abuse, appetite control, vomiting, etc. Just a quick note, these episodes are not intended for medical advice, counseling, or suggestions. Please refer and consult the relevant medical professionals, whether it be your physician, your GP, your general practitioner, your physician, your NP, your nurse practitioner, your physician assistant, as well as your pharmacist. Um, 
make sure they are licensed in the state and registered with the board as well. So, continuing on, advances in histochemical fluorescence techniques led to the application of radioligand binding assays for 5-HT and elucidated the pathophysiological role in a variety of aforementioned disorders, so depression, schizophrenia, obesity, etc. It is also established, uh, it is also established that types and subtypes also refer to as families and subfamilies so the types and subtypes are also referred to as families and, sub- and subfamilies of the serotonergic receptors similar to opioid receptors okay so now i'm not going to show any structures in this this is going to be a tete-a-tete a face-to-face conversation about these concepts so serotonin biosynthesis and metabolism hydroxylation at the five position by tryptophan hydroxylase present in the serotonergic neurons. So let's just delve into what's happening with this serotonin biosynthesis pathway. Let's delve in a bit. Um, Let's see, let's see, let's see. So if we look closer or closely at the pathway, tryptophan goes through tryptophan hydroxylase. So tryptophan, which has a characteristic um, indole functionality. So has a characteristic indole functionality, so an aromatic functionality, and the classic amino acid uh, backbone structure with your carboxylic acid, your alpha carbon, with the substituted amino acid through or is processed by aromatic amino acid decarboxylase to form summation of methyl hydroxytryptophan. So moving right along. Serotonin release, uptake, and signaling. Biosynthesis takes place in serotonergic neurons. Biosynthesis, release, and reuptake mechanisms similar to other receptors. Uh, so it's similar to the re- biosynthesis release and reuptake mechanisms are similar um, to what occurs in other neuroreceptors. The serotonin is stored in presynaptic neuronal vesicles. When released, serotonin interacts with the postsynaptic serotonergic receptors. So the action of 5-hydroxytryptophan is terminated either by its diffusion away from the synapse with subsequent metabolism or reuptake mechanism back to the presynaptic neuron. So serotonin transporter, also known as 5-HPT, is a sodium-dependent monoamine transporter protein. So when we talk about some of these Neurotransmitters, we recognize that they are monoamine. And that's the case with many of the catechol amines. So catechol, the catechol functional, catechol group, catechol structure, and catechol amine. Um, so like dopamine, norepinephrine, serotonin, those types of things. Um, so moving right along, monoamine transporter protein. And it's also a druggable target for the development of antidepressants. So that, that's an important point to take note of. Serotonin transporter, also known as 5-HTT, is a sodium-dependent monoamine transporter protein and is a druggable target for the development of antidepressants. So Seven types of 5-hydroxytryptophan, there are seven types of 5-hydroxytryptophan receptors denoted by 5-HT1 to 5-HT7. 
all except 5-HT3 are coupled to G proteins. 5-HT3 is a ligand-gated ion channel selective for sodium cations and potassium cations. Okay, so serotonin receptor types. So you have the 5-HT1 family. So further divided, subdivided into six subfamilies, 5-HT1A to 5-HT1F, 5-HT1F, so 5-HT1A to 5-HT1F. Subfamilies are present in the CNS. So 5-HT1A through E, also found in blood vessels, is involved in functions such as anxiety, addiction, vasoconstriction, etc. With the exception of 5-HT1E, all other receptors of this family exhibit high affinity for 5-carboxamidotryptophan. So with the exception of 5-HT1E, all other receptors of this family exhibit high affinity for 5-carboxamidotryptophan. So, uh, also, um, 8-hydroxy-2-di-n-copolaminotetraline or OHO or 8-OH-DPAT represents a selective 5-HT1A agonist. Very important. 8-hydroxy-2-di-n-copolaminotetraline or 8-OH-DPAT represents a selective 5-HT1A agonist. This suggests that an intact indole nucleus is not required for 5-HT1A agonism. Let's keep going. Okay, so 5-HT1A selective agonists. And we're looking specifically at long-chain aryl papyrazines. So long-chain aryl papyrazines. Or papyrazines. So long-chain long chain aryl papyrazines. LCAPs. LCAPs possessing long chain substituents at the N4 papyrazine show good selectivity for 5-HT1A. So long chain aryl papyrazines possessing long chain substituents at N4 papyrazine show good selectivity for 5-HT1A. Buspirone was the first agent from this class approved as an anxiolytic drug. Structurally related compounds, gepirone, tandospirone, and ipsapirone, these agents act either as a full or partial agonist of 5-HT1A. So remember, an agonist has 100% efficacy, partial agonist has about 0 to 100, falls in that range of 0 to 100 efficacy or intrinsic activity. Um, and we're talking in respect to the endogenous ligand for the receptor. And that's a, that, those concepts have been discussed in the previous episode. So agonism, antagonism, partial agonism, inverse agonism, all those other good stuff. So uh, continuing on, general structure, you typically have the aryl group, the pyrazine group, your spacer, so your methylene spacer, and then you have the terminus. Agents containing phenyl, substituted phenyl, Heteroaryl, all of those groups show good activity. So agents containing phenyl, 
a substitute of phenyl, heteroaryl, all of those groups all show good activity. Changes in the papyrazine structure are not tolerated. Important to note, changes in the papyrazine structure are not tolerated. The placement of the amide or the imide groups at the terminus is essential for good activity. One more time, placement of the amide or the or and or the imide groups at the terminus is essential for good activity. All of the drugs shown above have an imide, I-M-I-D-E, imide, moiety in the terminus. Very important to note. Very, very important. Okay, so 5-HT1, a selective antagonist. So remember, antagonist just blocks the function of the agonist. Some compounds belonging to this class display structural features similar to classical agonists, buspirone. So some compounds belonging to this class display structural features similar to classical agonists, buspirone. However, the aryl portion is usually comprised of two methoxyphenyl moiety. So the aryl portion is usually comprised of a, of a two methoxyphenyl moiety. Agents such as uh, WAY-100-135 or WAY-106-35 are referred to as a silent 5-HT1A antagonist since they lack any agonist activity. So spirone is a 5-HT1A antagonist but also displays high antagonist affinity for 5-HT2A and D2 receptors. So spirone Spirone is used for the treatment of schizophrenia. So when we talk about spir, we're talking about those spiros, those spirocycles, so spirocyclic functionalities. Okay, so let's keep going. Clinical significance of 5-HT1A agonists and antagonists. Drug development efforts explore the 5-HT1A agonists as therapeutic targets for depression and anxiety. There seems to be good correlation between 5-HT metabolism and higher tendency towards depression, aggression, etc. So drug development exports, we're talking about the clinical significance of 5-HT1A agonists and antagonists. So drug development efforts explored 5-HT1A agonists as therapeutic targets for depression and anxiety. There seems to be a good correlation between 5-HT metabolism and higher tendency towards depression, aggression, etc. Jepirone produced significant symptomatic relief in patients with depression. Buspirone was effective in the treatment of mixed anxious slash depressive patients. Mixed anxious hyphen depressive patients. The lack of a select lack of 5-HT1A antagonists, lack of selectivity in or with 5-HT1A antagonists. So the activity at other 5-HT receptor subtypes, dopaminergic receptors, etc., has limited the drug development efforts that specifically target receptors. This specifically targets that receptor. Compounds like LY. 426965 are more metabolically stable and also display improved oral bioavailability 
as compared to WAY compound. So LY426965 is being developed as a smoking cessation drug. So let's keep going. 5-HT1D receptor selective ligands. So sumatriptan, imatrex, was identified as the first 5-HT10 selective agonist with only modest selectivity, 2 to 24, for its affinity toward 5-HT receptors, particularly 5-HT1A and 5-HT1F. Sumatriptan belongs to the indole alkylamine class of compounds. Example, zomatriptan, zomig, naratriptan, emerge, nisotriptan, maxalt. These agents bind and display high affinity and improved selectivity for 5-HT1D. Agents like zomatriptan, nisotriptan, possess superior ability to cross the blood-brain barrier and are used for the treatment of migraine, cluster headaches, etc. Okay, so 5-HT2 receptor family. In general, 5-HT2 family of receptors are found in the CNS, blood vessels, GI tract, peripheral nervous system, and in smooth muscles. This receptor family is considered as a therapeutic target for the development of antipsychotics, anxiolytics, anorectics, so appetite suppressant agents. The subfamilies 5-HT2A, 5-HT2B, and 5-HT2C. There is significant amino acid sequence homology between 5-HT2A and 5-HT2C, greater than 78%. This explains the overlap in ligand affinities for these two receptor subfamilies. Classic hallucinogenic drugs like lysergic acid, diethylamide, amide, act as full or partial agonists for this receptor. So partial or full agonism for this receptor occurs with drugs, classic hallucinogenic drugs like lysergic acid diethylamide. The lack of type and subtype selectivity coupled with strong hallucinogenic potential has limited the use of 5-HT to a agonist. Okay, so 5-HT2A receptor antagonists and N-alkylpyridines constitute a major class of selective 5-HT2A antagonists. Best known examples are ketanserin, ritanserin, etc. These agents belonging to this class in general exhibit greater receptor selectivity for 5-HT2A slash 2C. So ketanserin is used for its antihypertensive properties. Ritanserin was investigated for the treatment of schizophrenia. So atypical antipsychotics such as risperidone, used for schizophrenia and bipolar disorder treatment. Clozapine, used for schizophrenia and anti-suicidal drug. And olanzapine, schizophrenia and bipolar treatment also exhibit 5-HT2A antagonist properties. Unlike typical antipsychotics, these newer compounds have a lower tendency to exhibit extrapyramidal 
side effects such as tardive dyskinesia, so stiff, uncontrolled body movements. Tricyclic antidepressants also are antagonists for 5-HT2A. So let's keep going. 5-HT2B and 5-HT2C receptors of families. 5-HT2B receptors are present in the CNS and cardiovascular system. They are known to cause pulmonary vasoconstriction. Many ligands that bind to 5-HT2B receptor also bind to 5-HT receptors. And there is no approved drug that specifically targets 5-HT2B signaling. 5-HT2C receptors, so at this, at to date, at this, at, at the point of this reading, there was none that was seen by uh, myself and or the person who wrote this, these set of notes. The 5-HT2C receptors play a role in regulation of mood, anxiety, and feeding, etc. So the lorcasserin, the 5-HT2C selective agonist, has been approved as a weight loss drug. Common side effects include headache, side effects like depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, also uncommon, have been reported for, although uncommon, have been reported for lorcasserin. Okay, so 5-HT3 receptor family. So here we have the ligand-gated ion channel selected for sodium cations and potassium ion and not GPCRs. Its structure is comprised of five subunits around a central ion conducting pore permeable to sodium, potassium, and calcium ions. Biomology is closely related to nicotinic acetylcholine receptor. So homology common ancestor. So agonist activation leads to the activation of the nausea and vomiting center in the brain stem. When activated, these receptors are also reported to cause seizures. 5-HT3 antagonists have also been used as anti-emetic agents. These agents not only improve the quality of life, they also allow for the increasing dosing. So increasing, they also allow for increasing the dose intensity of many chemotherapeutic agents, increasing the response rates for anti-cancer treatment. Patients taking paclitaxel, cyclophosphamide, and 5-FU, the 5-fluorouracil, and other emesis-prone drugs are often predosed with anti-emetic agents. So, 5-HT3 receptor antagonists. Bemestron was identified as one of the first 5-HT3 selective antagonists. Many agents belonging to this class contain tropane or a tropane-like nucleus bearing a basic amine. Tropicitron, so an antiemetic, and ricacitron, anxiolytic, zatocitron, anti-nausea compound with anxiolytic properties, are examples of tropane-containing 5-HT3 antagonists. Ondansetron and renzapride both antiemetic compounds during cancer chemotherapy, gastroenteritis, etc. Palonosetron, chemotherapy-induced nausea and vomiting, are examples of non-tropane-containing 5-HG3 antagonists. Regardless of the presence or absence of the tropane ring, 
all of these compounds possess at least one cell pronation. Benzapride is also a full 5-HT4 agonist and 5-HT2B antagonist. Okay. Okay, so 5-HT4 receptor. It belongs to the GPCR superfamily. It is a coupled, it is coupled with GS agonist resulting, excuse me, it belongs to GPCR superfamily, is coupled with GS agonist. Activation results in increased intracellular cyclic AMP, so cyclic adenosine monophosphate levels, primarily located in the CNS, gastrointestinal tract, urinary bladder, heart, etc. 5-HT4 agonists include Cisapride, Mosapride, Brucalopride, and Renzapride. Okay, 5-HT4 receptor. Cisapride increases the motility of the upper GI tract and is used to enhance gastric emptying. Serious side effects include drug-induced arrhythmia. Mosapride promotes gastric emptying and is used for the treatment of gastroesophageal reflux disease. GERD, irritable bowel syndrome, etc. Prucalopride is used for the colonic motility, mobility. Prucalopride is used for the colonic mobility. It does not induce arrhythmias. Sacopride, renzopride, and mosopride are also 5-HT3 antagonists. Sacopride displays anxiolytic properties at the therapeutic dose. Structurally, all of these compounds contain a primary aralamine as part of an aniline or dihydrobenzofuran ring. So 5-HT4 receptor agonists and antagonists. So 5-HT4 receptor agonists. Tegaserod was introduced as a 5-HT4 agonist for the treatment of irritable bowel syndrome, but was later withdrawn after reports of increased heart attack and stroke. It is also a 5-HT2B receptor antagonist. 5-HT4 receptor antagonist. Fibosterod was developed for the treatment of atrial fibrillation, AFib. The drug was also developed as a potential therapy for heart failure. 5-HT5-7 receptors. 5-HT5 receptors are predominantly found in the brain and are further subdivided into 5-HT5A and 5-HT5B receptor subfamilies. So 5-carboxamidotryptophan is a non-selective agonist for this receptor. One more time, 5-carboxamidotryptophan is a non-selective agonist for this receptor. 5-HT6 receptor is present in CNS and plays a role in motor control, emotional stability, cognition, and memory. So 5-HT6 antagonists have been shown to reduce appetite and promote weight loss. 5-HT7 receptor is found in the central nervous system and in the cardiovascular system. It is involved in thermoregulation, circadian rhythm, learning, and memory. It is also investigated as a target for depression. So serotonin reuptake transporter. Serotonin, serotonin transporter, CERT or 5-HTT, is a monoamine transporter protein that transports serotonin from the synaptic cleft to the presynaptic neuron. It belongs to the monoamine transporter protein family. 
threat regulates the duration and magnitude of the postsynaptic response to 5-HT and allows the body to, reu- to reuse serotonin and prevents the need for constant biosynthesis. CERT comprises of 12 transmembrane helices, both amine and carboxytermini are present intracellularly. It exhibits 50% homology with norepinephrine reuptake transporter and dopamine, dopamine transporter, etc. So serotonin reuptake transporter. Serotonin reuptake transporter is an attractive target for drug development. Agents that block CERT, so serotonin reuptake transporter, increase the synaptic residence of 5-HT are used for the treatment of a, variety, of a variety of disorders such as depression, obsessive compulsive disorders, panic disorders, and anxiety. Tricyclic antidepressants such as amitriptyline serve as non-selective blockers for CERT and NET. Their active metabolites may also block CERT and NET with varying degrees of selectivity. Selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors are much more selective for CERT over NET and lack most of the activity at other receptors as seen in tricyclic antidepressants. Examples of this class include fluoxetine, peroxetine, fluvoxamine, cetraline, acetalopram, trazodone, etc. Agents such as vilazodone act directly on 5-HT receptors, so 5-HT1A agonists, and also and are selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. Peroxidine Paxil is used as an antidepressant for the treatment of major depressive disorder, social anxiety disorder, panic disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder, etc. Common side effects include drowsiness, dry mouth, trouble sleeping, asthenia, so general weakness, sexual dysfunction, loss of libido, erectile dysfunction, etc. In general, these class of compounds possess at least two hour rings and sites of protonation. In general, excuse me, now these class possess at least two hour rings. Chemically, peroxidine is a peroxidine is a secondary amine containing compound and it contains four rings. Okay, fluoxidine, so Prozac, is used for similar conditions as Prozac. In addition, it is also used to treat binge eating disorder. Common side effects are similar to Prozac. In addition, this drug is reported to cause discontinuation syndrome. Rapid discontinuation of therapy causes dizziness, disturbances in balance, tinging, numbness, electrical shock-like sensations, etc. Fluoxetine and other SSRIs when taken with mouth may cause serotonin syndrome. Symptoms include fever, agitation, diarrhea, seizures, muscle weakness, etc. Thus, these drugs are contraindicated in patients taking mouth inhibitors. So when taking, excuse me, Fluoxetine and other selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors when taken with MAO inhibitors may cause serotonin syndrome. These symptoms include fever, agitation, diarrhea, seizures, muscle weakness, etc. Thus, these drugs are contraindicated in patients taking MAO inhibitors. Fluoxetine is a CYP2D6 inhibitor and in some cases is contraindicated in dextromethorphan containing cold 
and cough medications. It blocks dextromethorphan metabolism. So selective, not selective. Serotonin, reuptake transporter. So uh, serotonin, we're focusing on the serotonin reuptake transporters. Trazodone is indicated as an antidepressant for the treatment of major depressive disorder, anxiety disorders, and also to treat alcohol dependence. Unlike paroxetine, the drug does not display anticholinergic side effects. Instead, it is used to report, it is reported to cause fainting, increase in suicidal thoughts, cause arrhythmias, etc. Overdose may lead to serotonin syndrome discussed previously. Okay, Velazodone is a, both a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor and a 5-HT1A agonist. It does not display strong affinity for other serotonin receptors and selective for serotonin reuptake transporters versus norepinephrine transporters or dopamine transporters. Nausea, diarrhea, vomiting, dry mouth are common symptoms. Paresthesia, so tingling, pricking, numbness, etc. are also reported. When overdose, the drug is known to cause serotonin syndrome. Okay, so that's the end of the serotonin segment. Scene script introduction, general principles, pharmacodynamics, effects of drugs on an organism, pharmacokinetics, absorption, distribution, metabolism, and excretion of drugs, drugs which act independently of receptors, antacids, base moiety neutralizes acids, Osmotic agents, certain diuretics, for example mannitol, cathartics, for example methylcellulose, anesthetics, unknown mechanism of action but potency correlates with lipid solubility. Most receptors are proteins, many with carbohydrate residues attached. Binding of drug to receptor may involve ionic, covalent, hydrogen or van der Waals bonds. Agonists, drugs which bind to receptors and stimulate them. Antagonists, Drugs which decrease or block the effect of an agonist. They do not stimulate the receptors. Competitive antagonists reversibly binds to the receptor and prevents binding of the agonist, antagonist and agonist vying for the same receptor. High concentration of the antagonist can overcome the effect of an agonist. Irreversible antagonists usually binds to the receptor in an irreversible way and prevents any agonist action. Following administration of an irreversible antagonist, high concentrations of agonist cannot completely reverse the antagonist effects. Duration of action depends largely on the irreversible antagonist. Potency, activity of a drug compared to a reference standard, depends on the drug's ability to reach the receptors and its affinity for binding to the receptors. Efficacy, maximal effect produced by a drug. Note. A drug may have a greater potency but less efficacy than another drug. Dose response curves, ED50. Dose of drug which produces half maximal response, that is, observed effect seen in 50% of patients. Used as a measure of potency, the lower ED50, the more potent the drug. TD50, minimum dose which produces a specific toxic effect in 50% of individuals or animals. LD50. Minimum dose which kills 50% animals. Therapeutic index, ratio of the dose of the drug, required to produce a toxic effect to the dose needed for a therapeutic effect. 
used as an indication of drug safety, expressed as what? Narrow therapeutic index, relatively high incidence of side effects at usual doses, narrow range for therapeutic and toxic doses, wide therapeutic index, relatively low incidence of side effects at usual doses, permeability, lipid solubility correlates with the ability of a drug to cross cell membranes, Weak acids and bases are more lipid-soluble in the non-ionized state. Ionization, charged water-soluble molecules are excluded from crossing many barriers, for example, epithelial lining. Okay, so welcome to another session of us having a visit visit tete a tete, a chat on pharmaceutical chemistry. This is the new chemist podcast, and we're going to be referencing some notes from my professor, specifically Dr. Paul Carney, referencing his notes um, at Howard, and going to be discussing some of my key ideas associated with antidepressants. Of course, it's important to note that these episodes are in no way, shape, or form a for a version of medical advice, counseling, or consultation. Please correspond and speak with and rely on the advice of your medical professionals, such as your physicians, physician assistants, nurse practitioners, and pharmacists. Um, once again, these advice are not for medical advice, consultation, or counseling. Okay, so let's begin. We're going to be talking about antidepressant agents. So depression ther- chemotherapy, um, tricyclic antidepressants, um, SNRIs, talk about that later, atypical um, agents and all other good stuff. So let's keep going. Depression. It's a relatively common disorder. Approximately one out of eight people will require treatment for depression sometime during his or her lifetime. In general, women are approximately, um, this is a statistic, uh, in general, women are approximately twice as likely to suffer from depression as compared to men. That's the statistic. 9.3% versus 4.5%. Um, depression is often an underrecognized and under-treated disorder. Patients are present with somatic instead of psychological symptoms, psychological systems. So patients often present with somatic instead of psychological systems. Patients with depression are reported to have more physical pain, and display worse physical, social, and occupational function than people without depression. Suicide is identified as a major cause of mortality in patients with major depression. Risk factors for depression include family history for depression, substance abuse, and gender. Depression is more common in patients with hypothyroidism, multiple sclerosis, Huntington's disease, syndrome, diabetes mellitus, etc. Okay, so depression models. The biogenic amine hypothesis. It links deficits in physiology and metabolism of biogenic amines, noradrenaline, 5-HT, dopamine, etc. to depression. Tricyclic antidepressants increase the amounts of norepinephrine and serotonin in synapses by blocking this, their, re-up, their uptake. This process is referred to as reuptake and is known to diminish the biological impact of these neurotransmitters. Monoamine oxidase inhibitors, MAOIs, 
block the oxidative degradation of norepinephrine, serotonin, and other neurotransmitters. A more appropriate model is the dysregulation model of depression that suggests that impairment in one or more neurotransmitter, homeostatic or regulatory mechanisms, leads to the depression pathophysiology. Antidepressant agents classification. So you have your monoamine oxidase inhibitors, so MAOIs, irreversible ones refer are irreversible uh, types include isocarboxazid, ipronazid, phenylzine, and tranalcipromine. Reversible ones include moclobamide and chlorchilin. So for the tricyclic antidepressants, you have your norepinephrine and 5-HT reuptake inhibitors. So we have mipramine, amitriptyline, doxepin, bathiapine, and chlormipramine. For the norepinephrine reuptake inhibitors, you have desimipramine, nortriptyline, and amoxifene. For selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, you have your fluoxetine, fluvoxamine, citrulline, and citalopram. For your atypical antidepressants, you have your trazodone, mianine. Okay, so your monoamine oxidase inhibitors. Monoamine oxidase converts biologically active primary amines into the corresponding aldehydes. The enzyme mediates a redox reaction. It oxidizes the amine substrate and reduces FAD into FADH2. In humans, monoamine oxidase exists in two forms. So you have monoamine oxidase A and monoamine oxidase B. They both are found in the central nervous system. Monoamine oxidase A is also found in the liver, lungs, GI tract, and placenta. Monoamine oxidase B is mostly found in platelets. Okay, so monoamine oxidase inhibitors. Monoamine oxidases are flavin-containing enzymes that use molecular oxygen as the stoichiometric oxidant. Serotonin, melatonin, epinephrine, and norepinephrine primarily undergo monoamine oxidase A-mediated metabolism. Compounds like dopamine, tyramine, tryptamine undergo metabolism both by monoamine oxidase A and monoamine oxidase B. Monoamine oxidase inhibitors inhibit the oxidative deactivation of compounds like dopamine, serotonin, norepinephrine, etc., and can be used in the treatment of depression. Severe side effects associated with these agents limit their use treating patients with resistant depression that do not respond adequately to other therapies, particularly tricyclic antidepressants. Okay, so let's keep going. So you have your isocarboxazid. So we're talking about irreversible monoamine oxidase inhibitors. Your isocarboxazid. So isocarboxazid. Isocarboxazid. Isocarboxazid belongs to the hydrazine class of non-selective irreversible monoamine oxidase inhibitors. It's primarily used for the treatment of mood and anxiety disorders. Phenelzine is a non-selective, irreversible, monoamine oxidase inhibitor. It is an antidepressant, an anxiolytic agent. Its use is indicated primarily in the treatment of major depressive disorder, 
is also effective for the treatment of bipolar depression slash panic disorder, social anxiety behavior, etc. Tranalcipromine is a non-selective, irreversible monoamine oxidase inhibitor. It is used in the treatment of major depressive disorders, especially in cases where depression associated with, especially in cases where depression is associated with anxiety. So it's typically used in patients who do not respond well to reuptake inhibitor antidepressants. Okay, so irre- irreversible monoamine oxidase inhibitors. You have your drug-food interactions. Let's talk about those. Monoamine oxidase is primarily responsible for the oxidation, for the oxidative deamination of tyramine, a compound that helps regulate the blood pressure. Inhibition of monoamine oxidase leads to a buildup of tyramine and may lead to a hypertensive crisis. As a consequence, tyramine containing foods such as strong such aged cheeses, cured meats, soybeans, yeast containing foods, etc., should be avoided during monoamine oxidase inhibitor treatment. Hypertensive crisis usually presents with the following symptoms severe headache, nausea, vomiting, vision disturbances, irregular heart rate, chest pain, nosebleed, fainting, etc. Patients should ask to seek. Immediate medical help if these symptoms develop. Okay, so let's keep going. You have your administration of paroxidine, fluoxetine, amitriptyline, etc. It should be avoided along with the irreversible monoamine oxidase inhibitors. These drug combinations may cause high levels of serotonin, leading to confusion, high blood pressure, tremors, coma, and death. Co-administration of agents that cause vasoconstriction, such as phenylephrine, ephedrine, pseudoephedrine, along with monoamine oxidase inhibitors, can cause acute hypertensive crisis. Oftentimes, these agents are present in many over-the-counter preparations, etc. Or example, phenylephrine in some medications, thereby increasing the chances of drug-drug interactions. Co-administration with agents like carbamazepine causes a significant increase in the serotonin levels, leading to serotonin syndrome. Irreversible monoamine oxidase inhibitors, moclobamide, reversible inhibitor of monoamine oxidase A, so RIMA, reversible inhibitor of monoamine oxidase A. So RIMA, reversible R inhibitor I of mono M amine A oxidase inhibitor. It is used primarily for the treatment of depression and social anxiety. No significant rise in blood pressure is reported when moclobamide is co-administered with tyramine-containing foods or other amine drugs like noradrenaline. The drug is indicated for the treatment of major depressive disorder, bipolar depression, and social anxiety disorders. Much safer drug as compared to irreversible monoamine oxidase inhibitors, which much with much less side effects. Common side effects include or common side effects associated with moclobamide include insomnia, headache, and dizziness. Most side effects are transient and disappear within the first two weeks of treatment. So reversible monoamine oxidase inhibitors seligaline. Seligaline is substituted 
phenethylamine. At therapeutic doses, the drug is a selective and irreversible monoamine oxidase B inhibitor. When given in large doses, it also inhibits monoamine oxidase A. It also displays neuroprotective properties, protecting the nearby neurons from free oxygen radicals that are released during monoamine oxidase B-mediated oxidase deamination. The drug is used to treat depression, major depressive disorder, as a transdermal patch. The drug is given orally along L-dope to treat symptoms of Parkinson's disease. So reversible monoamine oxidase inhibitors, siligaline. The drug has only modest oral bioavailability, approximately 10%, but due to its lipophilic nature, its oral bioavailability increases considerably when co-administered with a fine meal. Typical side effects include nausea, hallucinations, confusion, loss of balance and insomnia, slow or irregular heart rate, syncope, have also been reported as side effects. So your SNRIs, we're talking right now about tricyclic antidepressants, so your selective norepinephrine reuptake inhibitors. In general, the noradrenergic pathway is associated with increased drive. And serotonin pathway is associated with mood alteration. So the noradrenic pathway is associated with increased drive, whereas serotonin, serotonin pathway is associated with mood alterations. Thus, selective serotonergic reuptake inhibitors, SSRIs, and selective norepinephrine reuptake inhibitors, NRIs, provide therapeutic benefits by parallel and independent pathways. Chemically, these compounds are secondary amines. The tricyclic structure can be formed by the fusion of the phenyl, substituted phenyl rings, either with six, example, meproteline, or seven-membered rings, protriptyline, etc. The seven-membered ring, seven-membered ring, can either be carboxyclic, carbocyclic, or heterocyclic, so amoxipine. So it can be carbocyclic or heterocyclic, like amoxipine. So selective norepinephrine reuptake inhibitors. The side chain is usually comprised of a three-carbon unit and connects the tricyclic framework to the secondary amine. In general, secondary amine TCAs are well absorbed using oral administration. They have good bioavailability, usually between 16 to 95%. Their onset of action typically takes two to three weeks or longer. Okay, selective norepinephrine reuptake inhibitors. The exact mechanism of action for these compounds is not understood. These compounds display substantially higher affinity for inhibiting the norepinephrine transporter. Generally, two amine, secondary amine, tricyclic antidepressants do not show significant affinity at the dopamine transporter. Generally, secondary amine tricyclic antidepressants do not show significant affinity at the dopamine transporter. Blocking norepinephrine reuptake increases its concentration in the synaptic cleft and its ability to interact with postsynaptic norepinephrine receptors. Generally, antimethylation and aromatic ring hydroxylation are the, most, are the two most common of metabolism. These compounds are indicated for the treatment of major depressive episodes, persistent depressive disorder, panic disorder, attention deficit disorder, etc. Typically, 
adverse effects associated with these agents are attributed to their inability or to their ability. One more time. Typically, adverse effects associated with these agents are attributed to their ability to block muscarinic alpha-1 adrenergic receptors, H1 receptors, etc. Side effects include dry mouth, constipation, painful urination, emptying, difficulty, third vision, sexual dysfunction, daytime, drowsiness. So norepinephrine and drug interactions. Norepinephrine inhibitors, norepinephrine, reuptake inhibitors, drug interactions. Because of the narrow therapeutic window, important to note, because of the narrow therapeutic window, these are not the drugs of choice for the treatment of depression. Concurrent administration of TCAs with monoamine oxidase inhibitors is contraindicated and at least two weeks from now before discontinuation of the tricyclic antidepressant therapy, the initiation of the monoamine oxidase therapy, or vice versa. Co-administration of, of serotonin reuptake inhibitors, tricyclic antidepressants, and monoamine oxidase inhibitors may result in severe hypertension. Secondary amine TCAs are inhibitors of sodium channels. Um, secondary amine tricyclic antidepressants are inhibitors of sodium channels, thus can slow ventricular conduction at the therapeutic dose. Drug overdose is required to produce ventricular arrhythmia, which can often be fatal. Blockage of sodium channels in the central nervous system may lead to seizures. The use of alcohol must be avoided concurrent to the TCA or tricyclic antidepressant therapy. With the tricyclic antidepressants, desipramine is an active metabolite of imipramine. The drug is primarily metabolized by CYP2D6 and CYP1A2 and CYP2C19. Long-term therapy causes downregulation of norepinephrine transporters as a consequence of the homeostatic mechanism. The CYP2D6 induces rifampin inhibitors and iodurone and chloroquine can alter the plasma concentration of desipramine. So we talk about our drug interactions. And, the, and also desipramine can be uh, also and also some of these uh, drugs that we're referring to can be secreted into milk. So it's contraindicated in nursing mothers. So tricyclic antidepressant, amoxapine. The drug displays antidepressant, antipsychotic effects. It is N methylated. It is an N methylated analog of loxapine. So it is an N methylated analog of loxapine. It is structurally unique since it contains both nitrogen and oxygen in the central seven membered ring. And contains a pyrazine ring instead of side As potent inhibitor with norepinephrine reuptake as compared with other secondary amine tricyclic antidepressants, the compound is rapidly and completely absorbed from the GI tract 
The drug undergoes septic form mediated with oxidation to 7,8-hydroxyamoxapine. The metabolites are pharmacologically active. So non-tricyclic secondary amine antidepressants. Riboxetine. Riboxetine is a selective norepinephrine reuptake inhibitor. It does not possess tricyclic structure commonly seen in this class of compounds. It is a potent and selective norepinephrine transporter inhibitor. Mechanism of action similar to dosciprine, the drug displays comparatively low affinity for muscarinic receptors. It is used in is indicated for treatment of major depressive disorders. It is particularly used in patients who do not respond adequately to selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors or in cases where the use of other tricyclic antidepressants is contraindicated. The drug shows excellent oral bioavailability. Uh, created in 90% nausea, diarrhea, and somnolescence, so drowsiness for the side effects of this drug. It's important to note we're now talking about atomoxetine, so a non secondary amine antidepressant. It belongs to the phenoxyphenylpropylamine class. The RI is approximately 10 times more potent than selective. Or epinephrine. We uptake inhibitors. It, excuse me, belongs to phenoxyphenylpropylamine class. The R isomer is approximately 10 times more potent as a selective norepinephrine reuptake inhibitor than the S isomer. So R is more potent than X in this case. The drug is approved for the treatment of attention deficit hyperactive disorder, ADHD in children, adolescents, and adults. It is a non stimulant compound. And has very low abuse potential. It displays good norepinephrine transporter versus dopamine transporter selectivity. Okay, atomoxetine inhibits cardiac potassium currents and may cause arrhythmia. The drug is contraindicated in patients with atrial fibrillation, ventricular fibrillation, and ventricular tachycardia. Concomitant monoamine oxidase inhibitor treatment is contraindicated. The drugs it's contraindicated in patients with moderate to severe hypertension. Adverse effects include nausea, dry mouth, fatigue, drowsiness, tachycardia, hypertension, irritability, etc. Serotonin, norepinephrine reuptake inhibitors. These drugs block norepinephrine transporters and serotonin reuptake transporters in a non-selective mind. Consequently, these compounds combine mechanism of action of selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors and non-epinephrine reuptake inhibitors. Clinically, these classes of compounds seem to be advantageous in the management of depression. They increase the concentration of norepinephrine and 5-HT at the synaptic cleft. The in vivo activity of these classes of compounds is complex. Since no enzymethylation, common metabolic route for the phosphorus compounds leads to selective norepinephrine reuptake inhibition. The serotonin norepinephrine reuptake inhibitors, SNRIs. Their use is indicated in patients with major depressive disorder, especially in patients who do not respond adequately to norepinephrine reuptake inhibitors or active serotonin reuptake inhibitors. The side chain for these compounds features a three-carbon propylene bridge that connects the tricyclic framework to tertiary amine. 
Pharmacal connect versus effects, etc. similar to norepinephrine reactive inhibitors. So when we talk about these tertiary amine tricyclic antidepressants, we're talking about imipramine, amitriptyline, doxepinin, chlormipramine. So let's keep going. Non-tricyclic selective norepinephrine reuptake inhibitors, the venlafaxine. It was hypothesized that SNRIs that lack the classical tricyclic structure should have minimal side effects. Search led to the discovery of venlafaxine. Venlafaxine is indicated for the treatment of major depression, generalized anxiety disorder, panic disorder, and social phobia. And my tricyclic antidepressant, venlafaxine, does not show any appreciable affinity for the alpha-1 adrenergic, cholinergic, atrial receptors, ion channels. Venlafaxine produces faster and greater antidepressant response as compared to SSRIs. Alone suggesting so SSRI selective serotonin uptake inhibitors, alone suggesting a synergy between 5-HT and norepinephrine mediated pathways. At lower doses, the drug only affects the serotonin transmission at higher doses. When the fancine affects both serotonin and norepinephrine systems at high doses, it can also affect dopamine, neurotransmission. Drug shows excellent oral bioavailability. Let's keep going. Patients must be warned about the possible suicide risk. The drug is contraindicated in children and young adults. The drug is associated with discontinuation syndrome such with symptoms such as dysphoria, headaches, nausea, irritability, sensation of electrical shocks, sleep disturbance. The drug is associated with discontinuation syndrome symptoms such as dysphoria, headaches, nausea, irritability, sensation of electric shocks, sleep disturbance, etc. It undergoes O and N demethylation mediated by CYP2D6 and CYP3A4 respectively. So selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, cetraline. Cetraline displays high affinity for serotonin reuptake transporters and to a lesser extent dopamine transporters. Thus, it increases serotonin and dopamine concentration in the synaptic cleft. It is indicated for the treatment of major depressive disorder, obsessive compulsive disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder, social anxiety disorder, etc. Common side effects include diarrhea, trouble with sleep, sexual dysfunction. It may increase the risk of suicide in patients less than 25 years old. And demethylation is the most common metabolic route leading to a significant loss of activity. This episode is the natural instructions. You can Google the structures. You can read the names. Remember, these types of issues are so, uh, it's important to take note that these episodes are not a form of medical advice or consultation or counseling. Very important to note. Atypical antidepressant. This is just for intellectual curiosity. Uh, used in monotherapy or along with selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. Then they go sip to E6 mediated oxidative metabolism to hydroxybutyrupion today. Good luck. Okay, so we're wrapping up this uh, session on drug classes. Today we'll be talking about opioid analgesics and NSAIDs, so non steroidal anti inflammatory drugs. Again, I'm referencing the notes of Dr. Carl Carney. 
Okay, so and who is one of my professors for pharmaceutical chemistry? Uh, so yeah, we're talking about pharmaceutical chemistry today. So let's begin. As the name suggests, opioid analgesics are the agents that decrease the pain, or decrease pain. These agents act on opioid receptors, which belong to the family of G-protein coupled receptors. G-protein coupled receptors. So just a quick note, just a solid, um, certain. Uh, firm reminder that these episodes are in no way shape or form a version of medical advice consultation or suggestion these are primarily for um, intellectual engagement and stimulation and curiosity and all of those things along with educational development and growth for pharmacists and training for science enthusiasts um, once again these are not for medical advice consultation or suggestion please refer to your medical practitioners, your physicians, your pharmacists, your nurse practitioners, and your physician assistants uh, being board certified and state licensed, of course. So let's begin. As the name suggests, opioid analgesics are the agents that decrease the pain. These agents act on opioid receptors, which belong to the family of G-protein coupled receptors. In general, the opioid receptors are coupled with G inhibitory, inhibitory G proteins. Opioid receptors are divided into delta, also known as DOR or OP1, kappa, K, also referred to as KOR or OP2, and mu, mu, also referred to as MOR or OP3. All of the above receptors have subtypes such as mu1, mu2, delta1, delta2, etc. These are primarily indicated for the treatment of severe pain. In general, opioid receptors are found in the brain, spinal cord, peripheral nervous system, and GI tract. So opioid analgesics, on a historical perspective. Um, so opioids include things such as codeine, thebine, papaverine. Uh, they were isolated uh, from specific flowers. Uh, until 1980, the term opiate was used extensively to describe any natural or synthetic agent that was derived from morphine. So there's a general scaffold or structure for an opioid um, with, with an R1 and an R2 group, depending on the substitution that tells you the type or the name of the opioid you're referring to. So endogenous opioid peptides. Two peptides with morphine-like activity were isolated in the earlier studies. These peptides were termed as encaphalins in the Greek kaphali, or from the head. The structures were as follows. Um, so I'm going to list the single letter amino acid representation for the peptides that play a role in encaphalin and mu encaphalin. So from tyrosine onward, you have Y, G, G, F, M, and that's for metencaphalin. And then from tyrosine on, but for leucaphalin, you have YGGFL. So in, late, in the late 1970s, the use of radioligand binding assays led to the isolation of endogenous peptides such as beta endorphin, endorphin, nociceptin, etc. And you can also you can always look up the structures of those proteins, of those uh, peptides. Um, so, opioid-mediated analgesia. So, pro-opioid protein synthesis in the cell nucleus, which is followed by transport of the pro-opioid protein to the nerve terminal. 
um, which is followed by biosynthesis of the active endogenous peptides, after which you have the storage of active EOPs in the presynaptic. So EOP is referring to endogenous opioid peptides. You have the storage of the active endogenous opioid peptides in the presynaptic vesicles and subsequent release upon neuronal stimulation. You have then, after which you have the binding of the endogenous opioid peptides to the postsynaptic receptors and the activation of the secondary messenger system, followed by the inactivation of the enzyme adenylate cyclase and a decrease in the intracellular cyclic AMP. The endogenous opioid peptides are eventually hydrolyzed by endopeptidases known as encaphalinase. Enzymatic hydrolysis occurs at the glycine phenylalanine peptide bond. So common structural motifs in endogenous opioid peptides, you have Y, G, G, F, and then a variable group. And then you have encaphalinases. We're operating on that to hydrolyze the glycine and the phenylalanine peptide bond, resulting in pharmacologically inactive fragments. Okay, so message address concept. We're still talking about endogenous opioid peptides. The message address theory it states that peptide hormones that possess a conservative sequence of amino acids such as the EOPs contain two distinct domains, the message domain and an address domain. The message domain is involved in the signal transduction at the receptor, while the address domain provides receptor specificity. The latter is thus responsible for the specific binding of the EOPs to the individual opioid receptor types and subtypes. For a group of peptides associated with more than one receptor type, the message domain is structurally similar or even invariant, and the address segment is variable and is critically determinant of selectivity for a given receptor. For opioid receptors, the tetrapeptide YGGF was initially viewed as a message domain. The variable sequence of amino acids was viewed as the address domain, responsible for receptor specificity. So let's keep going. The message address concept. Dynorphin, a kappa-selective agonist. Um, proceeding forward, you have recent interpretation of the message address concept use only the first amino acid, so tyrosine residue as the message domain, and the sequence starting with the phenylalanine constitutes the address domain. The glycine-glycine residues act as a spacer or a linker unit. Okay, let's keep going. So, mu opioid receptors, or OP3. Mu opioid receptors are a class of opioid receptors with a high affinity for endorphin 1 and 2. Endomorphin, excuse me. So, mu opioid receptors are a class of opioid receptors with high affinity for endomorphin 1 and 2, but low affinity for dynorphin. So, mu opioid receptors are found in the brain, the spinal cord, the olfactory bulb, the nucleus, acubens, and cerebral cortex. They are also found in the GI tract. Mu opioid receptor activation includes analgesia, sedation, euphoria, decreased respiration, constipation, and meiosis, so pupil constriction. So selective non-peptidic agonists of mu opioid receptors include fentanyl, morphine, etc. Selective antagonists of mu opioid receptors include naloxone, naltroxone, etc. So for mu opioid receptors, so you have agonists and antagonists. 
So agonists will include morphine and fentanyl. Antagonists will include naloxone and naltroxone. Mixed agonists and antagonists include butorphanol, tartrate, and buprenorphine. So let's draw it back one more time. Mixed agonists and antagonists, butorphanol, tartrate, and buprenorphine. Those are your mixed agonists and antagonists. Antagonists include naloxone and naltroxone. Agonists include morphine and fentanyl. So continuing on with the mu opioid receptor or OP3, it is believed that the mu1 subtype is involved in pain neurotransmission. Both mu1 and mu2 subtypes control respiratory depression. So both mu1 and mu2 subtypes control respiratory depression. Both mu1 and mu2 receptors are located in the brain, spinal cord, and peripheral sites. The 3 receptor is present in immune and endothelial cells and plays a role in the release of NO and other endothelium-derived factors. Mu, mu or agonist causes development of tolerance because of the phenomenon. Because of this phenomenon, so mu agonist causes development of tolerance because of this phenomenon. Higher and or more frequent doses is required to produce the desired analgesic effect. Overdoses of mu opioid receptor agonists cause apnea, so suspension of external breathing, which can be fatal. It can be reversed by antagonists such as naloxone and naltroxone. So let's talk about kappa opioid receptors or OP2. They have high affinity for dynorphins and low affinity for endorphins. It is primarily distributed in the brain, spinal cord, and sensory nerves. Three receptor subtypes for kappa opioid receptors, we have kappa 1, kappa 2, and kappa 3, have been proposed. Activation of kappa opioid receptors with agonists results in dysphoria, so the opposite of euphoric response seen with new opioid receptors, and hallucination. So we're talking about kappa opioid receptors. Activation of kappa opioid receptors appears to antagonize many of the effects of new opioid receptors in terms of mechanistic and functional dichotomy. So, kappa opioid receptor agonists will cause respiratory depression, constipation, and tolerance. Side effects are associated, associated with mu opioid receptor agonists. So, let's draw that back and see that one more time. Kappa opioid receptors. Kappa opioid receptor agonists do not cause respiratory depression, constipation, and tolerance. Side effects associated with new opioid receptor agonists. The activation of kappa opioid receptor, so the K2 subtype, also leads to characteristic diuretic effects. Agonism of kappa opioid receptor seems to have a neuroprotective effect against hypoxia and ischemia. So some kappa opioid receptor selective non-peptidic agonists include Ethylketazosine and bramazosine, selective kappa opioid receptor selective antagonists include norbinol torphamine, so norbinol torphamine or norbni. Those are, that's an example of a QR, so kappa opioid receptor selective antagonists. So delta opioid receptor or OP1. Delta opioid receptors are a class of opioid receptors with high affinity for encaphalates. So leucine and 
met thionine in confidence. So nu and met in confidence. Or L and M in confidence. And no affinity for dynorphins. Activation of delta opiate receptors with agonist results in analgesia. Analgesia is significantly less than then that produced by new opiate receptor agonists. Delta opioid receptor agonists cause the, de- cause the depression of the respiratory center only in high doses. Delta opioid receptor agonists cause the depression of the respiratory center only in high doses. Delta opioid receptor agonists, both delta 1 and delta 2, also seem to play a cardioprotective role. Examples of delta opioid receptor agonists include SNC80, TAN67. Examples of selective non-pitidic delta opioid receptor antagonists include naltriben and naltrindol. So opioid receptor-like 1 receptor, so ORL1 receptor. Endogenous peptidylase receptor is nociceptin, has 17 amino acids with 17 amino acid residues. Note the difference in both the address and the message domain in nociceptin. Um, so because of, of its affinity to nociceptin, often receptor is known as the nociceptin receptor. Similar to opioid receptors, OP4 is involved in anesthesia. In addition, it is also believed to be involved in the stimulation of the immune system, obesity, and cardiac functions. Heterodimers comprising of ORIL1 with classical opioid receptors represent a novel target for the management of pain. Drug abuse and addiction um, is said that it's driven by the stimulation of the self-reward center in the brain. It originates in the ventral tegmental area, so VTA, and extends to the nucleus accumbens. So new opioid receptor agonists cause the release of dopamine, whereas kappa opioid receptor agonists cause an aversive dysphoric stimulus. Let's say that one more time. New opioid receptor agonists cause the release of dopamine, whereas kappa opioid receptor agonists cause an aversion dysphoric stimulus. In general, the agents that slowly distribute to the brain have minor abuse potential. Most abuse drugs are necrophilic and can cross the blood-brain barrier readily. The dosage routes are what they are, and they influence the distribution of these drugs to the brain. Because of the adaptive mechanisms, tolerance develops to euphoric agents rapidly. And as a consequence, actions follow along with that in terms of dosing. So opioid tolerance and withdrawal. The binding of new opioid receptor agonists results in the inhibition of adenylate or adenyl cyclase, cyclase, leading to a decrease in cyclic AMP. However, continual activation of new opioid receptor results in an upregulation of adenylate cyclase to compensate for the decrease in the concentrations of cyclic AMP to homeostatic mechanisms. In addition, continual usage of opioid analgesics also results in the internalization of new opioid receptors. So homo and heterodimerization of new opioid receptors is reported to be involved in opioid tolerance. On the cessation of dosing, a person experiences a series of unpleasant effects, collectively termed as opioid withdrawal symptoms syndrome. Early symptoms of withdrawal include anxiety, insomnia, sweating, etc. Delayed symptoms involve abdominal cramping, diarrhea, dilated pupils, nausea, and vomiting. Okay, so let's look at some structural features. You have the A ring, which is an aromatic ring that has a hydroxyl on it. 
you have a B ring, which is a cyclohexene ring. You have a C ring, which is a cyclohexanol ring. You have a D ring, which is a papyridine ring. You have an E ring, which is a dihydrofuran ring. And so the fusions of A and E rings result in a dihydrobenzofuran ring. Um, important to know your RMI functionalities, such as your pyridine, pyridine, furan, 2,3-dihydrofuran, benzofuran, dihydrobenzofuran. Okay, so... Okay, so the tertiary amine moiety morphism protein is at the physiological pH. Um, you have electrostatic or ionic interactions with aspartate residues in the opioid receptor protein. Methyl groups interact with the hydrophobic pocket in the receptor. Okay, so structure activity relationships of mu opioid receptor agonists, the significance of the tertiary amine. The presence of the tertiary amine is necessary for potent agonist activity. The size of the substituent on the nitrogen dictates the agonist versus antagonist activity. That's important to note. The size of the substituent on the nitrogen dictates the agonist versus antagonist activity, primarily at the mu opioid receptor. Changing the size of the end substituent from methyl, one carbon up to four carbons, results in the formation of mu opioid receptor antagonists. Further increase in the steric bulk of the end substituent returns the agonistic activity. Changing the size of the end substituent from methyl, one carbon up to four carbons, results in the formation of mu opioid receptor antagonists. Further increase in the steric bulk of the and substituents returns the agonistic activity. So let's keep going. The presence, so we're still talking about structure activity relationships with mu opioid receptor agonists. The presence of the aromatic A ring and basic nitrogen are the two most common features in all of the known mu opioid receptor agonists. The aromatic ring and the basic nitrogen can be connected with either a two carbon bridge, so ethyl bridge or a three-carbon bridge, copal bridge. The conversion of the tertiary amine to a secondary amine, so N-demethylation, results in normorphism, a weak mu opioid receptor agonist. So the significance of the phenol. The presence of a free hydroxyl group is essential for a potent mu opioid receptor agonist activity. Codeine featuring a methoxy uh, functionality is much less potent, is a much less potent mu opioid receptor agonist. Codeine undergoes slow O demethylation by CYP2D6 and is converted to morphine. Codeine possesses potent antitussive activity and is used in the clinical management of cough. So the significance of phenol. Um, so there are concepts and there are versions of agonists that can be further discussed. However, we won't discuss those at this time. So structure activity relationships with mu or receptor agonists. C 
C-ring modifications. Reduction of the double bond in the C-ring along with the oxidation of the secondary alcohol to the ketone results in the analog hydromorphone, which is 8 to 10 times um, more potent than morphine. So morphine and its derivatives. The placement of an OH group on C14 generally enhances the agonist properties at the mu opioid receptor. The conversion of allylic alcohols to the ketone has a similar effect. Okay, skeletal modifications of morphine. E-ring elimination. Morphinanins, like E-ring, the E-ring present morphine, so the furan ring. Um, examples are dextromethorphan and phenylmorphan. So these tend to be active ingredients and in some cough medicines. Um, in some cases, a dissociative hallucinogen. Um, so the best side effects include respiratory depression, limit the use of phenylmorphine in the severe side effects, including respiratory depression, limit the use of phenylmorphine therapeutics. So skeletal modifications of morphine, C and E ring elimination. Removal of both rings E and C results in the class of compounds known as benzomorphins. The only agent approved for analgesic use is pentazosine. So kappa opioid receptor agonists cause dysphoria, especially in high doses. It increases myocardial oxygen demand, contraindicated in patients with pre-existing myocardial infarction and coronary or increases myocardial oxygen demand and is contraindicated in patients with pre-existing myocardial infarction and heart failure. So pentazosine, lactate injection used for the management of moderate to severe pain. So the heart failure we were referring to was congestive heart failure. So let's read that back one more time. So we're talking about uh, KOR agonists cause dysphoria, especially in high air doses. Also, this is within the context of the skeletal modifications of morphine, so C and E ring elimination. And the C ring is a C ring is a cyclohexenol, and the E ring is a furan. Is a furan ring. Um, so, increases myocardial oxygen demand, contraindicated in patients with pre-existing myocardial infarction and congestive heart failure. The pentazosine lactate injection used for the margin of moderate to severe pain. So let's go. Skeletal modifications of morphine, C, D, and E ring elimination. Note the phenolic moiety and the two carbon bridge between the aromatic ring and the basic nitrogen. The compounds that do not possess the C, D, and E ring system. So the C ring is a cyclohexenol, D ring is a Cyclohexane that has some, yeah, cyclohex, uh, cyclohexane, and the E ring is a furan ring. And it, those rings, so it's compounds that do not possess C, D, and E ring systems, constitute amino tetraline class of morphine analogs. 
Desmosine is a kappa opioid receptor agonist enhancing analgesic and produces dysphoria and, hallucin- and hallucinations at higher doses. It has to be administered via uh, specific means. Side effects like respiratory depression and dizziness limit the clinical use of desmosine. Skeletal modifications of morphine, BC, and E ring elimination. So B ring is. Okay, so let's draw it back. Let's draw it back. Let's draw that back. Let's go back to make sure everything we're on the same page. So the A ring, our map ring, B ring, cyclohexane ring. C-ring cyclohexanol ring, D-ring pyridine ring, E-ring dihydrofuran ring. So those are the rings. So B, C, and E, we're referring to B, C, and E, we're referring to cyclohexane ring, cyclohexanol ring, and dihydrofuran ring. Okay. So three, these class of compounds are termed as analo- Anilidopapyridines, analgesics, um, and they have their implications in terms of potency, side effects of protonation of physiological pH, so other functional groups such as alcohol, esters, thiols, thioresis, ureas do not undergo protonation of physiological pH. Carboxylic acids and sulfonyl ureas undergo deprotonation at physiological pH. So let's talk about acyclic diphenyl heptanone analogs. Orally active synthetic morphine analogs that have a long duration of action. Um, that's what we're talking about acyclic diphenyl heptanone analogs. These are orally active synthetic morphine analogs that have a long duration of action. Um, they're used as an analgesic agent for the neuropathic pain. Also used in the treatment of opioid use disorder and opioid withdrawal syndrome. So morphine, let's say cyclic analogs and four phenylpyridines. You have a three-carbon bridge between the amacrine and the tertiary amine. A new opioid receptor agonist, so analgesic activity, one-tenth of morphine, short-acting, and CYP3A4 mediated metabolism leads to endemethylation. So with morphine, you have um, the with its phenolic and alkyl group, those being two major sites of metabolism. Morphine undergoes first pass metabolism and undergoes glucuronidation. And, and in the first pass metabolism, it's undergoing glucuronidation and self self uh, sulfate conjugation. Yeah. Okay, and then. Depending on the variation of the R group that changes the name, it has a change on the application as well. So morphine analogs mix agonists slash antagonists. Uh, so we're talking about examples of this would include buprenorphine. There's a partial mu opioid receptor agonist, also known 
also referred to as a mixed agonist slash antagonist of your opioid receptor, is a partial kappa opioid receptor agonist. Because it is a mixed agonist slash antagonist, it produces potent analgesic effects. It produces a severe, a less severe. So, because it is a mixed agonist slash antagonist, it produces potent analgesic effects, but produces a less severe respiratory depression and a lesser addiction, um, to- to- lesser addiction tolerance potential. It's approved for the treatment of opioid dependence. So, kappa opioid receptor agonists and mu opioid receptor mixed agonists antagonists. Uh, major side effects at analgesic dose include sedation, nausea, sweating, dysphoria, and hallucinations. Because of the mu opioid receptor antagonist properties, it has relatively low abuse potential. Because of the extensive first-class metabolism, the drug is commonly administered um, through the various routes. So mu opioid receptor, OP3, and the GI tract. Mu opioid receptor is also present in the gastrointestinal tract. Mu opioid receptor agonists have an inhibitory effect on the motility of the GI tract, leading to constipation. Mu opioid receptor agonists can be referred to as anti-diarrheal agents, and mu opioid receptor antagonists could be used for the treatment of opioid-induced chronic constipation. However, centrally acting mu opioid receptor agonists, such as morphine, cannot be used as anti-diarrheal agents due to their severe CNS-related side effects. The strategies for mu opioid receptor agonists as anti-diarrheal agents um, limit the penetration of compounds into the blood-brain barrier to further limit the abuse potential coordinates an agent uh, that can cause uh, those needed for dysphoria, typically atropine. So opioid-based antidiarrheal agents at therapeutic doses, diphenoxin primarily acts on opioid receptors in the GI tract and does not cause CNS-related side effects. At high doses, CNS side effects are seen to CNS central nervous system. It is administered with atropine to minimize the potential for abuse. Um, So opioid-based antidiarrheal agents, loperamide to emodium. So the estimoity in methpyridine has been replaced with a tertiary alcohol. Also the nitrogen side chain features a tertiary amide. Lepermide is a good substrate for the P glycoprotein efflux system. The latter precludes its uptake into the brain as a consequence. Lepermide hydrogen chloride is devoid of any central side effects. So opioid-induced constipation. Structurally similar to naloxone, so opioid, we talk about opioid antagonist, so naloxigol. Structurally similar to naloxone, so a new opioid receptor antagonist. Approved in 2014 for the treatment of opioid-induced constipation in adult patients with non-cancer pain. Combination with opioid analgesics reduced the constipation-related side effects while maintaining therapeutically useful levels of analgesia. 
is a pure uopioid receptor antagonist so it's not considered to have any abuse potential doesn't cross the blood brain barrier and produces local effects in the GI tract so it's important to take note of what was said also operate with jurisprudence is um and sound understanding of the concepts remember these are not medical advice suggestions consultation refer to your medical practitioners for that being with them being state and board certified and licensed so let's talk about NSAIDs so non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs referencing the notes of Dr. Kalkani again so prescription 17 to 100 million are not prescription um, OTC, so over-the-counter use. They are used both in monotherapy and in combination with other analgesics. So in addition to their anti-inflammatory activities, many agents that belong to this class also possess antipyretic, so we're talking about fever in that case, analgesic, we're talking about pain, and immunomodulatory activities. Clinically, they are mainly employed in the treatment of rheumatic disorders, so such as rheumatoid arthritis. Um, they are employed for their analgesic activity, for their eucosuric properties, so in the treatment of gout. So eucosuric, an agent that increases the excretion of uric acid. So inflammation is a normal and essential physiologic response to any noxious stimuli that threaten the host. It can vary from a localized response to a generalized response. Um, Prostaglandins are a group of lipophilic compounds derived from the arachidonic acid metabolism. These compounds serve as mediators of inflammation. Prostaglandins are named with the prefix PG. Example, PGE2, PGF2-alpha, etc. Other mediators of inflammation include leukotrienes, thromboxanes, prostacyclins, etc. So prostaglandin biosynthesis. You start with your cell membrane phospholipids phospholipids so you start with the cell membrane phospholipids go through phospholipase a2 form arachidonic acid then cyclooxygenase so cox1 and cox2 produce pgg2 um note there's the isomerization of the double bond in arachidonic acid and after pgg2 you form pgh2 and through the, the pathway you have the there's the there are alternatives in that pgh2 can go through isomerase from PGE2, PGH2 can go through endoperoxide reductase to form PGF to alpha, and PGH2 can go through glutathione S transferase to form PG2, PGD2. So let's say it one more time. PGH2 can go through isomerase to form PGE2, PGH2 can go through endoperoxide reductase to form PGF to alpha, and PGH2 go through glutathione S transferase to form PGD2. Okay, so so many times when we have these discussions we talk about COX-1 and COX-2 inhibitors. So COX is referring to cyclooxygenase. Okay. That we, we spoke about earlier. So common connective tissue disorders, you have your rheumatoid arthritis. It severely affects the quality of life. You have symmetrical pain in three or more joints, swelling, tenderness, pain. The primary cause remains unknown. So in, to a certain extent, there, there is, it's unknown. 
but the initial answer is linked with the innate immune system. You have osteoarthritis, most common form of arthritis associated with the wear and tear of a joint. Pain may or may not be symmetrical, commonly seen in weight-bearing joints and joints of hand, fingers, etc. So let's talk about some common disorders. Gout is a metabolic disease characterized by recurrent episodes of acute arthritis and abnormally high uric acid levels in the blood. It can be classified as primary gout, so error in uric acid metabolism, or secondary gout. Gout resulting from the underlying pathological cause such as chronic renal disease, lead poisoning, etc. Treatment of gout involves the use of uricosuric agents, agents that facilitate the renal excretion of uric acid such as probenicid, colchicine, NSAIDs, and non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs and corticosteroids. Other pathological conditions in which the use of NSAIDs is indicated are ankylosing spondylitis, so inflammatory arthritis, systemic lupus erythematosus, autoimmune disorder, and polyarteritis nodosa, inflammatory destruction of adenes. Other pathological conditions in which the use of NSAIDs is indicated or are indicated is ankylosing spondylitis, inflammatory arthritis, systemic lupus erythematosus, and autoimmune disorder, and polyarteritis nodosa, inflammatory destruction of arteries. So let's talk about COX. COX cyclooxygenase. COX catalyzes the conversion of arachidonic acid to PGG2 and subsequently to PGH2, which was discussed a few minutes ago. The three isoforms are known, COX-1, COX-2, and COX-3. COX-1 and 2 are similar with respect to their molecular weight and display approximately 65% amino acid homology. COX-1 is the constitutive form of the enzymes. COX-2 is inducible. In the GI tract, COX-1 exerts a protective effect. So acetaminophen, we talked about NSAIDs, acetaminophen. Early active COX-3 inhibitor with antipyretic and analgesic activities. Acetaminophen. Acet. Acetyl. Amine. Amine. Ophen phenol. So chemically, acetaminophen is a weak acid phenol. So it has a phenolic proton. It is weakly bound to plasma proteins, so 18 to 25%. The typical pKa for the phenolic proton is approximately 9 to 9.5. So everything loops together. Okay, recommended, um, so let's keep going. Salicylates, one of the oldest drugs known to mankind. Salicylic acid was isolated from willow bark in 1838. Colby synthesized salicylic acid in 1860. It has analgesic, antipyretic, anti-inflammatory, and platelet inhibitory activity. Low dose shown effective in reducing the risk of heart attack and stroke. Aspirin acetylates COX-1 and COX-2. So phenol and carboxylic acid derivatives include aspirin, salicylate, so excuse me, phenolic esters of salicylic acid include aspirin and salicylate. Derivatives of carboxylic acid and salicylic acid include salicylamide. In general, free carboxylic acid-containing compounds show better activity, but also increase risk for gastric irritation, gastric bleeding, ulcers, etc. So, salicylates side effects. So, with NSAIDs, you can have the primary insult of direct irritation of the GI tract, 
that you can have a secondary insult across the planning of biosynthesis inhibition. And that could result if both are occurring, you can have a dual insult to gastric damage. Gastric bleeding, damage to the gastric mucosa, iron deficiency anemia, you can have platelet aggregation, increased tendency towards bleeding, Reyes syndrome, so you have to be careful and know what you're doing when you are dealing with these. And influenza and chickenpox infection, sudden vomiting, violent headaches, um, and then you have salicylate, hypersensitivity, skin rashes, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea. So salicylate side effects include carboxylic acid, sensitive bonds plasma proteins, and competes with other drugs for the binding site. Increase in the positive concentration of medications, dose reduction is required. So oral anticoagulants, example, warfarin, methotrexate, oral hypoglycemic, sulfonylurea, corticosteroids. So a mechanism for the drug interactions occurring with these include um, indirect, direct interaction of two or more medications, which, which results in decomposition or calculation reactions drug drugs and drug food tend to get drugs affecting absorption and metabolism of other drugs or drugs that's with salicylic acid reacts with acetic anhydride to form aspirin that is reference to the reaction reaction of salicylic acid with acetic anhydride is an example of nucleophile electrophile reactions um, So, aryl alkanoic acid classes NSAIDs, so non steroidal anti inflammatory drugs, similarities to salicylates, presence of a carboxylic acid in aromatic nucleus, includes analgesic, antipyretic, and anti inflammatory activity, non selective COX inhibitors, low GI damage as compared to salicylates, but increased risk for myocardial infarction. So, aryl propanoic acids, usually called profen, so ibuprofen, ketoprofen, fluorobiprofen. Um, these are extensively bound to plasma proteins, drug interaction similar to salicylates. So aryl acetic acid derivatives, more potent than aspirin, carboxylic acid group critical for biological activity, amide analogs are devoid of activity, side effects, GI-related, nausea, stomach ulceration, um, headaches, vertigo, etc. reported. And this is with endomethacin. Now let's talk about dichlorophenoxodium, more potent than endomethacin. Inhibition of COX and leukotriene biosynthesis, excellent bio oral bioavailability, extensively bound to plasma proteins, major side effects of GI related. So, aryl propanoic acid derivatives, you have ibuprofen, naproxen, ketoprofen, indicated in the treatment of mild to moderate pain. Side effects are primarily GI related, increased risk of myocardial infarction. Ketoprofen inhibits COX and leukotriene biosynthesis. Okay, so aryl-propanoic acids, carboxylic acid, aromatic moiety, critical for biological activity. Side effects, drug interactions similar to salicylates, addition of carbon ions between the aryl ring and carboxylic acid, significant loss of biological activity. Method group important for biological activity. Both electron donating and electron withdrawing groups are well tolerated. And talking about aryl-propanoic acids. It's a characteristic aromatic functionality, carboxylic acid functionality, and variable group. 
So N aryl and phenolic acid. These compounds are considered to be the isosters which are the acid, referred to as phenomic, phenomic acids. So with SAR substitution in the phenyl ring of anthenylic acid results in analogs of activity. Substitution in the other phenyl ring usually leads to more active analogs. Um, indicated in treatment. Indicated for. So the indicated for pain treatment side effects include primarily GI uh, related. Let's keep going. So oxycamps, this includes peroxicam, 1,2-benzothiazine. The oxycams include the carboxamide or amide and sulfonamides. So examples are 4-hydroxy-1,2-benzothiazine, 3-carboxamide, um, peroxicam, and 1,2-benzothiazine. These agents are structurally unique. Anti-inflammatory analgesic activity indicated in pain treatment, more potent than aspirin, contraindicated in patients with peptic ulcers and hepatic disease. So let's talk about the principle of vanology. Vanilogy. Ciproxicam is a vanillous acid. In terms of functionality, it's vanillous to a similar as similar chemical activity and has a degree of structural similarity with carboxylic acids when you think about the vanillous carboxylic acid compared to a irregular standard carboxylic acid. Most acidic proton in the OH proton. Most acidic proton is the OH proton um, within the vanillous carboxylic acid. So selective COX-2 inhibitors, celecoxib, rofecoxib, faldecoxib. Um, it's important to know that rofecoxib was withdrawn in 2004. The rationale, COX-1 inhibition includes gastric bleeding, COX-2 inhibitors, no gastric bleeding. However, these agents significantly increase the risk of myocardial infarction and stroke. COX-2 inhibitors are used to reduce cancers and precancerous growth. Celecoxib is approved for the treatment of familial adenomatosis. Celecoxib is approved for the treatment of familial adenomatous polyposis. FAP. And that is the end of this discussion for today. Good luck. Remember, not for medical advice, suggestions, or consultation or counseling. Please refer to your medical provider, your physician, your NP, your PA, your physician, your nurse practitioner, your physician assistant, and your pharmacist who are board certified and who are licensed by their state. Good luck. Again. Okay, so welcome to another session of us having a visit, visit, tete, tete, a chat on pharmaceutical chemistry. This is the New Chemist Podcast, and we're going to be referencing some notes from my professor, specifically Dr. Paul Carney, referencing his notes um, at Howard, and we're going to be discussing some of our key ideas associated with antidepressants. Of course, it's important to note that these episodes are in no way, shape, or form a for a version of medical advice, counseling, or consultation. Please correspond and speak with 
uh, rely on the advice of your medical professionals such as your physicians physician assistants nurse practitioners and pharmacists uh, once again these advice are not for medical advice consultation or counseling okay so let's begin we're going to be talking about antidepressant agents so depression ther- chemotherapy um tricyclic antidepressants um snris talk about that later atypical um agents and all other good stuff so let's keep going depression it's a relatively common disorder approximately one out of eight people will require treatment for depression sometime during his or her lifetime in general women are approximately um this is a statistic uh in general women are approximately twice as likely to suffer from depression as compared to men that's a statistic 9.3 percent versus 4.5 percent um, depression is often an under-recognized and under-treated disorder. Patients are present with somatic instead of psychological symptoms, psychological systems. So patients often present with somatic instead of psychological systems. Patients with depression are reported to have more physical pain and display worse physical, social, and occupational function than people without depression. Suicide is identified as a major cause of mortality in patients with major depression. Risk factors for depression include family history for depression, substance abuse, and gender. Depression is more common in patients with hypothyroidism, multiple sclerosis, Huntington's disease, Cushing's syndrome, diabetes mellitus, etc. Okay, so depression models, the biogenic amine hypothesis. It links deficits in physiology and metabolism of biogenic amines, noradrenaline, 5-HT, dopamine, etc. to depression. Tricyclic antidepressants increase the amounts of norepinephrine and serotonin in synapses by blocking this, their, re-up, their uptake. This process is referred to as reuptake and is known to diminish the biological impact of these neurotransmitters. Monoamine oxidase inhibitors, MAOIs, block the oxidative degradation of norepinephrine, serotonin, and other neurotransmitters. A more appropriate model is the dysregulation model of depression that suggests that impairment in one or more neurotransmitter, homeostatic or regulatory mechanisms, leads to the depression pathophysiology. Antidepressant agents classification. So you have your monoamine oxidase inhibitors, so MAOIs, irreversible ones refer are irreversible uh, types include isocarboxazid, ipronazid, phenylzine, and tranylcypromine. Reversible ones include moclobamide and chlorchilin. So for the tricyclic antidepressants, you have your norepinephrine and 5-HT reuptake inhibitors. So amipramine, amitriptyline, doxepin, bathiapine, and chlormipramine. For the norepinephrine reuptake inhibitors, you have desimipramine, nortriptyline, and amoxifene. For selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, you have your fluoxetine, 
fluvoxamine, citrulline, and citalopram. So your atypical antidepressants, you have your trazodone, yeah. Okay, so your monoamine oxidase inhibitors. Monoamine oxidase converts biologically active primary amines into the corresponding aldehydes. The enzyme mediates a redox reaction. It oxidizes the amine substrate and reduces FAD into FADH2. In humans, monoamine oxidase exists in two forms. So you have monoamine oxidase A and monoamine oxidase B. They both are found in the central nervous system. Monoamine oxidase A is also found in the liver, lungs, GI tract, and placenta. Monoamine oxidase B is mostly found in platelets. Okay, so monoamine oxidase inhibitors. Monoamine oxidases are flavin-containing enzymes that use molecular oxygen as the stoichiometric oxidant. Serotonin, melatonin, epinephrine, and norepinephrine primarily undergo monoamine oxidase A-mediated metabolism. Compounds like dopamine, tyramine, tryptamine undergo metabolism both by monoamine oxidase A and monoamine oxidase B. Monoamine oxidase inhibitors inhibit the oxidative deactivation of compounds like dopamine, serotonin, norepinephrine, etc. and can be used in the treatment of depression. Severe side effects associated with these agents limit their use treating patients with resistant depression that do not respond adequately to other therapies, particularly tricyclic antidepressants. Okay, so let's keep going. So you have your isocarboxazid. So we're talking about irreversible monoamine oxidase inhibitors. Your isocarboxazid. So isocarboxazid, 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 belongs to the hydrazine class of non-selective irreversible monoamine oxidase inhibitors. It's primarily used for the treatment of mood and anxiety disorders. Phenelzine is a non-selective irreversible monoamine oxidase inhibitor. It is an antidepressant and anxiolytic agent. Its use is indicated primarily in the treatment of major depressive disorder. It is also effective for the treatment of bipolar, depression, slash panic disorder, social anxiety behavior, etc. Tranylcypromine is a non-selective, irreversible monoamine oxidase inhibitor. It is used in the treatment of major depressive disorders, especially in cases where depression associated with, especially in cases where depression is associated with anxiety. So it is typically used in patients who do not respond well to reuptake inhibitor anti depressants. Okay, so irre irreversible monoamine oxidase inhibitors. You have your drug-food interactions. Let's talk about those. Monoamine oxidase is primarily responsible for the oxidation, for the oxidative deamination of tyramine, a compound that helps regulate the blood pressure. Inhibition of monoamine oxidase leads to a buildup of tyramine and may lead to a hypertensive crisis. As a consequence, tyramine-containing foods such as strong aged cheeses, curried meats, soybeans, yeast-containing foods, etc. should be avoided during monoamine oxidase inhibitor treatment. Hypertensive crisis usually presents with the following symptoms. Severe headache, nausea, vomiting, vision disturbances, irregular heart rate, 
chest pain, nosebleed, fainting, etc. Patients should ask to seek immediate medical help if these symptoms develop. Okay, so let's keep going. You have your administration of paroxetine, fluoxetine, amitriptyline, etc. It should be avoided along with the irreversible monoamine oxidase inhibitors. These drug combinations may cause high levels of serotonin, leading to confusion, high blood pressure, tremors, coma, and death. Co-administration of agents that cause vasoconstriction, such as phenylephrine, ephedrine, pseudoephedrine, along with monoamine oxidase inhibitors, can cause acute hypertensive crisis. Oftentimes, these agents are present in many over-the-counter preparations, etc. Or example, phenylephrine in some medications, thereby increasing the chances of drug-drug interactions. Co-administration with agents like carbamazepine causes a significant increase in the serotonin levels leading to serotonin syndrome. Irreversible monoamine oxidase inhibitors Moclobamide, reversible inhibitor of monoamine oxidase A, so RIMA, reversible inhibitor of monoamine oxidase A, so RIMA, reversible R, inhibitor I, of monoamine A oxidase inhibitor. It is used primarily for the treatment of depression and social anxiety. No significant rise in blood pressure is reported when moclobamide is co-administered with terimine containing foods or other amine drugs like noradrenaline. The drug is indicated for the treatment of major depressive disorder, bipolar depression, and social anxiety disorders. Much safer drug as compared to irreversible monoamine oxidase inhibitors which much, with much less side effects. Common side effects include or common side effects associated with moclobamide include insomnia, headache, and dizziness. Most side effects are transient and disappear within the first two weeks of treatment. So reversible monoamine oxidase inhibitors, seligaline. Seligaline is substituted phenethylamine. At therapeutic doses, the drug is a selective and irreversible monoamine oxidase B inhibitor. When given in large doses, it also inhibits monoamine oxidase A. It also displays neuroprotective properties, protecting the nearby neurons from free oxygen radicals that are released during monoamine oxidase B-mediated oxidase deamination. The drug is used to treat depression, major depressive disorder, as a transdermal patch. The drug is given orally along L-dope to treat symptoms of Parkinson's disease. So reversible monoamine oxidase inhibitors, seligaline. The drug has only modest oral bioavailability, approximately 10%, but due to its lipophilic nature, its oral bioavailability increases considerably when co-administered with a fine meal. Typical side effects include nausea, hallucinations, confusion, loss of balance and insomnia, slow or irregular heart rate, syncope, have also been reported as side effects. So your SNRIs, we're talking right now about tricyclic antidepressants, so your selective norepinephrine reuptake inhibitors. In general, 
No, the noradrenergic pathway is associated with increased drive. And serotonin pathway is associated with mood alteration. So the noradrenergic pathway is associated with increased drive. Whereas serotonin, serotonin pathway is associated with mood alterations. Thus, selective serotonergic reuptake inhibitors, SSRIs, and selective norepinephrine reuptake inhibitors, NRIs, provide therapeutic benefits by parallel and independent pathways. Chemically, these compounds are secondary amines. The tricyclic structure can be formed by the fusion of the phenyl, substituted phenyl rings, either with six, example, loproteline, or seven numbered rings, protriptyline, etc. The seven-membered ring, seven-membered ring can either be carboxyclic, carbocyclic or heterocyclic, so amoxipine. So it can be carbocyclic or heterocyclic like amoxipine. So selective norepinephrine reuptake inhibitors. The side chain is usually comprised of a three-carbon unit and connects the tricyclic framework to the secondary amine. In general, secondary amine TCAs are well absorbed using oral administration. They have good bioavailability, usually between 16 to 95%. Their onset of action typically takes two to three weeks or longer. Okay, selective norepinephrine reuptake inhibitors. The exact mechanism of action for these compounds is not understood. These compounds display substantially higher affinity for inhibiting the norepinephrine transporter. Generally, two amine, secondary amine, tricyclic antidepressants do not show significant affinity at the dopamine transporter. Generally, secondary amine, tricyclic antidepressants do not show significant affinity at the dopamine transporter. Blocking norepinephrine reuptake increases its concentration in the synaptic theft and its ability to interact with postsynaptic norepinephrine receptors. Generally, antimethylation. An aromatic ring hydroxylation are the most are the two most common of metabolism. These compounds are indicated for the treatment of major depressive episodes, persistent depressive disorder, panic disorder, attention deficit disorder, etc. Typically, adverse effects associated with these agents are attributed to their inability or to their ability. One more time. Typically, adverse effects associated with these agents are attributed to their ability to block muscarinic, alpha-1 adrenergic receptors, H1 receptors, etc. Side effects include dry mouth, constipation, painful urination, emptying, difficulty, blurred vision, sexual dysfunction, daytime drowsiness. So, norepinephrine and drug interactions. Norepinephrine inhibitors. Norepinephrine reuptake inhibitors, drug interactions. Because of the narrow therapeutic window, important to note, because of the narrow therapeutic window, these are not the drugs of choice for the treatment of depression. Concurrent administration of TCAs with monoamine oxidase inhibitors is contraindicated, and at least two weeks should last before discontinuation of the tricyclic antidepressant therapy, initiation of the monoamine oxidase therapy, or vice versa. Co-administration of, of serotonin reuptake inhibitors, tricyclic antidepressants, 
a monoamine oxidase inhibitors may result in severe hypertension. Secondary amine TCAs are inhibitors of sodium channels. Um, secondary amine tricyclic are inhibitors of sodium channels. Thus, can slow ventricular conduction at the therapeutic dose. Drug overdose is required to produce ventricular arrhythmia, which can often be fatal. Blockage of sodium channels in the central nervous system may lead to seizures. The use of alcohol must be avoided concurrent to the TCA or tricyclic antidepressant therapy. With the tricyclic antidepressants, this Cipramine is an active metabolite of amphetamine. The drug is primarily metabolized by CYP2D6 and CYP1A2 and CYP2C19. Long-term therapy causes downregulation of norepinephrine transporters as a consequence of the homeostatic mechanism. The CYP2D6 induces rifampin inhibitors of iodine and chloroquine can alter the plasma concentration of desipramine. So we talk about our drug interactions. And, the, and also, desipramine can be uh, also and also some of these uh, drugs that we're referring to can be secreted into milk. So it's contraindicated in nursing mothers. So tricyclic antidepressant, amoxapine. The drug displays antidepressant, antipsychotic effects. It is N-methylated. It is an N-methylated analog of loxapine. So it is an N-methylated analog of loxapine. It is structurally unique since it contains both nitrogen and oxygen in the central seven-membered ring. And contains a pyrazine ring instead of a propylamine side chain. As potent inhibitor with norepinephrine reuptake as compared with other secondary amine tricyclic antidepressants, the compound is rapidly and completely absorbed from the GI tract. The drug undergoes CYP34 mediated oxidation to 7,8-hydroxyamoxapine. The metabolites are pharmacologically active. So non-tricyclic non secondary amine antidepressants, riboxetine. Riboxetine is a selective norepinephrine reuptake inhibitor. It does not possess tricyclic structure commonly seen in this class of compounds. It is a potent and selective norepinephrine transporter inhibitor. Mechanism of action similar to desipramine, the drug displays comparatively low affinity for muscarinic receptors. It is used in, is indicated for treatment of major depressive disorders. It's particularly used in patients who do not respond adequately to selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors or in cases where the use of other tricyclic antidepressants is contraindicated. The drug shows excellent oral bioavailability, greater uh, than 90%, nausea, diarrhea, and somnolescence, so drowsiness, what it sounds effective with this drug. It's important to note that we're now talking about Atomoxetine, so a non secondary amine antidepressant. It belongs to the phenoxy phenylpropylamine class. 
Yeah, I see my problem in time time my phone. I see that stuff. Oh, I put that friend. You have to take numbers. It, excuse me. Belongs to Phenoxy, Phenol, Propylamine class. The R-isomer is probably 10 times more potent as a selective, not epinephrine uptake inhibitor than the S-isomer. So R is more potent than X in this case. The drug is approved for the treatment of attention deficit hyperactive disorder, ADHD in children, adolescents, and adults. It is a non-stimulant compound and has very low abuse potential. It displays good norepinephrine transporter versus dopamine transporter selectivity. Okay, atomoxetine inhibits cardiac potassium currents and may cause arrhythmia. The drug is contraindicated in patients with atrial fibrillation, ventricular fibrillation, and ventricular tachycardia. Concomitant monoamine oxidase inhibitor treatment is contraindicated. The drug is contraindicated in patients with moderate to severe hypertension. Adverse effects include nausea, dry mouth, fatigue, drowsiness, tachycardia, hypertension, irritability, etc. Serotonin, norepinephrine reuptake inhibitors. These drugs block norepinephrine transporters and serotonin reuptake transporters in a non-selective manner. Consequently, these Compounds combine mechanism action of selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors and not epinephrine reuptake inhibitors. Clinically, these passive compounds seem to be advantageous in the management of depression. They increase the concentration of norepinephrine and 5-HT at the synaptic cleft. The in vivo activity of these passive compounds is complex. Since no enzymethylation, common metabolic route for these passive compounds leads to selective norepinephrine reuptake inhibition. The serotonin norepinephrine reuptake inhibitors, SNRIs. Their use is indicated in patients with major depressive disorder, especially in patients who do not respond adequately to norepinephrine reuptake inhibitors or active serotonin reuptake inhibitors. The side chain for these compounds features a three carbon propylene bridge that connects the tricyclic framework to tertiary amine. Pharmacokinetics versus effects, etc., similar to norepinephrine reuptake inhibitors. So, when we talk about these tertiary amine tricyclic antidepressants, we're talking about imipramine, amitriptyline, doxepin, and chlormipramine. So, let's keep going. Non tricyclic selective norepinephrine reuptake inhibitors, the venlafaxine. It was hypothesized. That SNRIs that lack the classical tricyclic structure should have minimal side effects. Search led to the discovery of venlafaxine. Venlafaxine is indicated for the treatment of major depression, generalized anxiety disorder, panic disorder, and social phobia. Unlike tricyclic antidepressants, venlafaxine does not show any appreciable affinity for the alpha 1 adrenergic, cholinergic, atrial receptors, ion channels. Venlafaxine produces faster and greater antidepressant response as compared to SSRIs alone suggesting so SSRI selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors alone suggesting a synergy between 5-HT and norepinephrine mediated pathways. At lower doses, the drug only affects the serotonin transmission at moderate doses. 
threaten the fontaine affects both serotonin and norepinephrine systems to high doses. It can also affect dopamine, neurotransmission, drug choice, excellent oral bioavailability. Let's keep going. Patients must be warned about the possible suicide risk. The drug is contraindicated in children and young adults. The drug is associated with discontinuation syndrome such with symptoms such as dysphoria, headaches, nausea, irritability, sensation of electrical shocks, sleep disturbance. The drug is associated with discontinuation syndrome with symptoms such as dysphoria, headaches, nausea, irritability, sensation of electric shocks, sleep disturbance, etc. It undergoes O and N demethylation mediated by CYP2E6 and CYP3A4 respectively. So selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, cetraline. Cetraline displays high affinity for serotonin reuptake transporters and then to a lesser extent dopamine transporters. Thus, it increases serotonin and dopamine concentration in the synaptic cleft. It is indicated for the treatment of major depressive disorder, obsessive compulsive disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder, social anxiety disorder, etc. Common side effects include diarrhea, trouble with sleep, sexual dysfunction. It may increase the risk of suicide in patients less than 25 years old. And demethylation is the most common metabolic route leading to a significant loss of activity. This episode is the natural instructions. You can Google the structures. We give you the names. Remember, these types of issues are so, uh, it's important to take note that these episodes are not a form of medical advice or consultation or counseling. Very important to note. Atypical antidepressant, this is just for intellectual curiosity, uh, used in monotherapy or along with selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. Then there goes CYP2 E6 mediated oxidative metabolism to hydroxybutyrupion today. Good luck. Cholinergic, cholinergic agonist. In the most well studied story of cholinergic agents, chol agonists are never pathetic. It can also be called cholino or parasympathomimetic. Acting. directly on the cholinergic receptor with agonist activity or oh yes sir it also keeps pace as it exhibits an indirect effect of inhibition on acetylcholinesterase it also keeps pace as it exhibits an indirect effect of inhibition on acetylcholinesterase cholinergic cholinergic antagonist no i'm not a literary literary critic chol antagonist can also be called cholino or parasympatholytic agents in this pharmacodynamic arena as we see what the drug does to the man, 
we see that coal and tags bind and block the receptor. Oh yes, indeed, yes sir. Coal agents are used for a variety, including this NDD called Alzheimer's disease. Divided into groups from studies, I'm in it. It's divided into the Muska, Rennick, and Nicotinic. Depending on the binding preference, coal receptors in a way show selectivity or pharmacological deference to muscarinic to muscarine or nicotine. Let's draw that back. Depending on the binding preference, co-receptors in a way show selectivity or, in quotes, oncological deference to muscarine or nicotine. Musky, musky. Short for muscarin receptor in this scientific homily. Musky comes from the superfamily of G protein coupled receptors. Nico, nico, nicotinic receptors function through the cationic. Transmembrane ligand gated. Oh yes, oh yes, I'm faded. Ligand gated ion channels for sodium and potassium ions. Chirality. Chirality, my friend, my stereocenter friend with its four different groups that are bound to the sp3 carbon do you comprehend understand it well musky has three chiral centers 2s 3r 5s this is great this configuration is not reminding it however has potent receptor binding Given the Bell van Hoff's rule, Muskie can have eight stereoisomers that do. Send me, send me your location. Muskie, Muskie don't need no consternation. M1 to M5. Let's describe to keep up. M1 is a cool special receptor not plural but neural not plural but neural neural in the cerebral cortex hippocampus and the like m1 is implicated in ad alzheimer's and its agonists help with learning and memory m1 is implicated in AD and its agonists help with learning and memory. M2, M2, doctor tell me 
M2, I love it's there, very dear to my heart, from predominantly there. With M3 abundant, no, this is not an intellectual hustle. M3 is most abundant in smooth muscle. This knowledge is not just This knowledge is not just intellectually sufficient. It can also help in overactive bladder treatment. M4 and M5. M4 and M5 most definitely are present in the CNS and periphery. Nicol. Nicol. Nicotinic receptor are present in the central PNS, a neuromuscular junction. Lyrical schemes add to the studying function. Acetylcholine, acetylcholine, biosynthesize, it's now on. It's made in the cholinergic neuron. By acetyl group transfer from acetyl-CoA. Using choline acetyl transferase. Actively transported into cytosolic storage vesicles. In those presynaptic nerve endings. This is no time for pretending. You know or you don't my friend. Please be at peace. Acetylcholine in presynaptive nerve endings is maintained with ATP, calcium, and magnesium ions until it's released. This is no time for pretending you know or you don't, my friend. Please be at peace. Acetylcholine in presynaptic nerve endings is maintained with ATP, calcium, and magnesium ions until it's released. The keys, the key step to remember keep stepping to, keep stepping on. One, conduction of the signal through the neuron while the action potential. Wow, the action potential opens up the voltage dependent calcium channel, resulting in the release of the star that's a queen acetylcholine let's draw that back the key steps to remember key steps keep on 
One, conduction of the signal through the neuron. While the action potential opened up the voltage-dependent calcium channel resulting in the release of the star, that's a queen acetylcholine. Upon release, acetylcholine binds a postsynaptic membrane. B, in the right space. Since unbound acetylcholine is hydrolyzed by acetylcholinesterase. B, in the right space. Since unbound acetylcholine is hydrolyzed by acetylcholinesterase. Cholinergic, cholinergic, agonist. In the most well-studied story of cholinergic agents, cholinergic agents, cholinergic agents, cholinergic agents. Welcome to the New Chemist Podcast. We are so glad you are listening. Feel free to subscribe on Spotify and tell your friends and colleagues about the podcast. A Deepest Fear by Marion Williamson Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There's nothing enlightening about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we're liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. I view this fair by Marion Williams. You are very important, especially to us here at the New Chemist Podcasting Group. You listening in is significant.
Vous êtes très important, surtout pour nous ici au New Chemist Podcasting Group. Votre écoute est significative. Usted es muy importante, especialmente para nosotros aquí en The Nuchemist Podcasting Group. Usted escuchando, es significativo. Você é muito importante, especialmente para nós do The New Chemist Podcasting Group. Você ouvindo, é significativo. Είστε πολύ σημαντικοί, ειδικά για εμάς εδώ στο The New Chemist Podcasting Group. Το να ακούς είναι σημαντικό. Sie sind sehr wichtig, besonders für uns hier bei The New Chemist Podcasting Group. Es ist wichtig, dass du zuhörst. Je bent erg belangrijk, vooral voor ons hier bij The New Chemist Podcasting Group. Dat je meeluistert, is veel betekenend. You are very important. Especially to us here at The New Chemist Podcasting Group. You listening in is significant. Welcome to the New Chemist Podcast. Bienvenidos al podcast del nuevo químico. Calos irzate esto podcast to New Chemist. Welcome by the podcast van the New Chemist. Bienvenue sur le podcast du Nouveau Chimiste. Bem-vindo ao podcast do Novo Químico. Welcome to the New Chemist Podcast. Work hard. Be value-driven. You can do it. You can grow and learn it. You can be the difference you and your community needs. Don't give up. We are here rooting and cheering for you. Don't give up. Travaillez dur. Soyez axé sur la valeur. Tu peux le faire. Vous pouvez grandir et l'apprendre. Vous pouvez être la différence dont vous et votre communauté avez besoin. N'abandonnez pas. Nous sommes ici pour vous encourager et vous encourager. N'abandonnez pas. 
trabalhar duro. Seja orientado por valores. Você consegue. Você pode crescer e aprender. Você pode ser a diferença que você e sua comunidade precisam. Não desista. Estamos aqui torcendo e torcendo por você. Não desista. Δούλεψε σκληρά. Να οδηγείτε στην αξία. Μπορείς να το κάνεις. Μπορείτε να μεγαλώσετε και να το μάθετε. Μπορείτε να είστε η διαφορά που χρειάζεστε εσείς και η κοινότητά σας. Μην τα παρατάς. Είμαστε εδώ για να σας ζητοκραυγάσουμε. Μην τα παρατάς. Trabaja duro. Sea impulsado por el valor. Puedes hacerlo. Puedes crecer y aprenderlo. Usted puede ser la diferencia que usted y su comunidad necesitan. No te rindas estamos aquí animándote y animándote. No te rindas. Werk hard. Wees waardig gedreven. Je kunt het. Je kunt groeien en leren. U kunt het verschil zijn dat u en uw gemeenschap nodig hebben. Geef niet op. We zijn hier om voor je te roten en te juichen. Geef niet op. Work hard. Be value driven. You can do it. You can grow and learn it. You can be the difference you and your community needs. Don't give up. We are here rooting and cheering for you. Don't give up. Thanks for listening. We're glad you were able to tune into this podcast. Once again, this is the new chemist where we discuss chemistry, which simply put is the science of change as well as the other sciences, careers, community, research, and COVID-19. Thanks again for listening. Note, the views on this podcast represent those of my guests and I.